Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I know you've been standing for a little while, but I want you to stand just a little bit longer. Let me preach, and then we'll just get in these altars and see what God wants to do. I want you to turn to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings. And if you're having trouble finding it, it's after 1 Kings. You appreciated that assistance, didn't you? 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 9 through 18. I really want to preach the whole chapter. And so let's just look at this. And today I'm preaching a message. I'm, I'm entitled it, Digging Ditches. Digging Ditches. All right. Verse 9 of chapter 3. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Don't anybody name your child this. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here? that we may inquire of the Lord by him. And so one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, oh, the word of the Lord is with him. And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha, now wait a minute, it's gonna get a little rough right here. Y'all think I'm rough sometimes. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, who in the immortal words of Jerry Seinfeld was a very bad man. (laughs) Elisha the prophet said to him, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. That now he's getting rough with him. But the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely Were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, he said, I wouldn't even look at you nor see you. That's rough, isn't it? But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played. Pastor Billy got on the keyboard. Oh, today it's Jenny on the keyboard. That the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Can you say praise the Lord for the powerful word of God? Amen. Praise him. Clap. You can be seated this morning. All right, how many of you like action movies? I love action movies. And uh, 2 Kings chapter 3 would make an incredible action movie. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Jehoram was the king of Israel. Misha was the king of Moab. The Moabs had been placed under submission to the king of Israel 
but they decided to rebel against King Jehoram. So he gathered his army together to wage war against them. He goes to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and says, why don't you join with me? So he musters his army, and they come together. Somewhere along the way, the king of Edom said, well, I'll just join you too. And so they march towards Moab for battle. I don't know who their strategician was. I don't know who was in charge of, of strategy and, and tactics, but whoever it was, they need to be fired. Because instead of going the best way to Moab, they went from the south and went through the desert. And for seven days, they're going through the desert with this massive army and the cattle and the horses. And for seven days, there's no water. And by the seventh day, they found themselves dehydrated, depleted, and desperate. And it looked like they were going to lose the battle before ever fighting one, that they were all going to die. Now, preachers are supposed to take texts like this and make them applicable. So let's just stop right here. When I read this, I paused, and I've paused in my notes. I want you to pause for a moment and think we can find some relation to this story. Not that we're in a desert, of course, thirsty, but we've done dumb things. Now, if you haven't, you will. If you think you haven't, you have. We're smart. We're technologically savvy. We have all the information in the world at the access, access at our fingertips. I was going, watch this. Hey, Siri. Oh, it didn't work. <laughs> Last night I was doing it and it, Siri popped up on my screen. We just got to go, hey, Siri. Siri says, what do you want to know? I get mad at Siri because sometimes Siri is useless. Yes. We've got all this knowledge, all this, and we're connected. We're networked. We know all the right people. And yet we still do dumb stuff. Sometimes we make dumb decisions, say the dumbest things, go in the wrong direction. We, we, it's make fleshly choices instead of spiritual choices, and we find ourselves in a mess. We've all done it. So we can relate to these people. Now, a couple of things, important things stand out to me in this story. We need to look at these. Number one, they never checked with God. Never checked with God. Never said, God, you know, a lot of times in the Bible, you'll see where, where the kings of Israel went into battle and they would check with God. David was great about this. And that's why he won all the time. They never checked with God. When they finally did check with God, it was after they got in a mess. And I just want to tell you this morning, let me just pastor you, failing to check with God can get you in trouble. God's word, listen to me, okay? Listen to the old guy. God's word applies to every area of your life. It's not just about church stuff or spiritual things. It will speak to business it will speak to finances. It will speak to dating. It will speak to marriage. It has things to say about parenting. And if you go by what the word says, you'll be okay. Ignore it and it will cost you. This is why I wanted to just come to you this morning and remind you of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. 
Most of you probably know it, but if you don't, boy, you need to learn this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. Because as smart as you are, you can still mess up. In all your ways, the Bible says, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So go to the word of God, check with God, see what God has to say. They didn't do that. The second thing I noticed is that one of the kings, the unspiritual one, that's Jehoram, blamed God for their dilemma. Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And I read that and I thought, I have seen this in my lifetime as a pastor. Why is it that people get themselves in a mess and then they blame God for their mistakes? Someone has said, I love this quote. I got this quote this week studying. Some people create their own storms, then get upset when it rains. That's a pretty good quote. The answer is, like Adam and Eve, we would rather shift blame to God than take responsibility for our own actions. Blaming God is irresponsible. Don't get mad at me. Blaming God is immature. Blaming God doesn't fix anything. Blaming God makes you look bad. You start blaming God and everybody else looks and sees you messed up, that just makes you look even worse. The better choice is to admit that you messed up and then ask God for divine assistance. And that's what these three kings did. Jehoshaphat, who was the spiritual king, asked if there was a prophet of the Lord in the camp. Why? Because Jehoshaphat knew they needed God. They needed help from God. They needed an answer from God. They needed a solution by God. And strangely enough, strangely enough, the mighty prophet Elisha just happened to be seven days into the wilderness with an army. Now listen, I'm a preacher, and I can tell you right now, I'm not going down to Fort Jackson and hanging out with a bunch of soldiers. And I'm sure not going to get on a plane and fly over to Iraq or any other place where we got people deployed. So it just happened that it, do y'all think that was a coincidence? Y'all smart people. I pastor smart people. Do y'all think that was a coincidence? Nah. God told that mighty prophet, Tag along with that army because they're about to mess up. They're going to need me. They're going to need you. So Elisha just hung in the shadows, came along, watched it all unfold. Jehoshaphat, where can we find a preacher out here? Is there a little rural country church out here somewhere in the desert? We need a preacher. And Elisha shows up. Now, what does that tell me? That tells me that God knew where they were and God knows where you are. He knows what you're facing. He knows how bad you've messed up and he's already made provision for you and he has a word for you. So listen to the preacher. When you have messed up, run back to God. Find God, run to his word, see what God says, and then do what he tells you to do. Let me be practical. If you have sinned, you've messed up. Repent of your sin and ask God for forgiveness. If you have offended someone, go to them 
admit it. And you know, I've tried to teach you this. I did before. Don't give a, well, I'm sorry, but apology. You just nullified it. It doesn't count when you go, but if you've offended someone, go to them and say, I was wrong. I admit it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me and work for reconciliation. If you have defrauded someone, you've taken advantage of somebody, maybe for financial gain, go make it right. Admit what you've done. Pay them what you owe them. Give them what you, whatever you've done. Oh, well, no amens on that one. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't expect any amens on this one. It's okay. If you gave some, your, someone your word and then you didn't keep your word, Go back and say, I'm sorry I messed up. I'm going to do what I promised to do. Do you see how much of that is not just personal but could go into business? Elisha said, and this is the King Chris version of the Bible, you boys have made a mess of things, but God has a word for you. Make this valley full of ditches. And God gave them two promises. One, he would supernaturally provide water. And two, they would defeat the Moabites. Moabites. So get in your mind this story. Think of thousands of soldiers out in the wilderness. They're they're tents. They've pitched their tents. They're all dehydrated. They're tired. They're, They're depleted. Their energy is gone. They don't feel like doing it. And Elisha said, I know you don't feel like it. But you've got to dig ditches. That's where the miracle is coming from. And so soldiers exchanged swords and spears for shovels. And they started digging ditches in the desert sand. It was a true act of God. They didn't feel like it. They were tired. They didn't have the energy. But they did it anyway. Is anybody getting the point yet? There will be times, especially when you've messed up and you've got yourself in a mess and you didn't do it God's way, it's going to weary you, it will deplete you, you've been fighting, you've been swinging your sword at the air and not hitting anything and now you're so worn out. And God will say, if you'll just do this, I'll turn it all around. And the devil's going to try to talk you out of it. You don't need to do that. You're tired. You don't don't do what the Bible says. Don't go to that person and talk to them. You know you don't feel like that. You have to tell the devil to shut up. You got to get that shut up anointing. Tell the devil to shut up and then muster up your strength and do what God says to do and act in faith. Here's the lesson. You do what God tells you to do, and God will keep his word. To put it simply, you do your part, God will do his part. Let me say that again. It's on the screen. You do your part, and God will do his part. Your mind may argue. Y'all ever have arguments in your mind? Your mind may argue with you. Your flesh may resist your spirit. Other people may tell you you're crazy to do that. Partners will say, why would we want to do this? This makes no sense. But let me give you a short little scripture in the Bible. Brothers and sisters, we walk by faith, 
not by sight. Our whole life is about trusting God. And when you put forth effort to obey God in his word, that's faith. Don't tell me you're a believer. Don't tell me you have faith. Show me you have faith. That's what James says. Because faith without some kind of action on your part is dead. Good Lord, he's coming and preaching a sermon that's making us responsible and he's actually asking us to do something. Yeah! That's what it's all about, living for Jesus. See, when you see nothing, God sees something. When you can't see a way out, God sees an exit. When things are looking so down to you because you've made the wrong decision, things are looking up to God. So here is my simple message today. Take a chance with God. Take a chance with God. You tried it your way, you failed miserably, now do it God. God's way. Isn't that what happened when you got saved? You were in a mess. You had messed up. You had sinned. You were born in sin. You were living a life of sin. You had messed up royally. No way out. Facing death and hell. But what did you do? You placed your faith in Jesus. You asked him to forgive you of your sin. You confessed your mess. Your sin. And what did he do? You did your part. And he came in and did his part. He washed you, he changed you, he saved you, he transformed you, he made you a child of God, he took away your guilt, your fear, your shame, he gave you peace and joy and love. Come on, somebody. Saved people ought to be rejoicing right now. You took a chance with God and look what he's done in your life. Mm. So they dug ditches. Now they're really tired, and they went to bed. And the next morning, water, isn't it, isn't, isn't it cool or irritating one? I say that with all respect to God. How the water, they didn't finish the ditch, and then all of a sudden water started flowing. They probably looked at Elisha and said, where is it? Elisha said, I don't know, but it's coming. How many of you know God's got a calendar? How many of you know God's got better timing than you? Some of you think, some of you think you know better than God. You got better timing than God. You fuss with God. God, you should have already done this. God, you were supposed to do this yesterday. God said, really? When did you become omniscient? Didn't know you knew everything. Sometimes you just got to wait on the Lord. Sometimes you got to rest in the Lord. See, I'm preaching the Bible right now, but you're just not even getting it. Sometimes you just got to rest. Aren't you worried? Well, yeah, I've been worried, but... Why aren't you doing something? I already done everything God told me to do. What are you going to do now? Rest. That looks like waiting. Well, that's about what it is. When I rest, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. 
He just got rest. rest. They went to bed. Next morning they got up. Ditches were still empty. But they heard the sound of a river. Sometimes you'll hear it before you see it. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost anointing all over me right now. I'm trying to behave myself. Sometimes you hear it before you see it. On the day of Pentecost, they heard something before they saw something. That seems to be God's way of doing things. And they heard what sound like an Amazon. They heard what sound like a like a Nanahala. They sounded, what's that big river in Georgia? The, the Chattahoochee. It sounded like a river that was flowing. They, it sounded like a Mississippi River, the Ohio River. It sounded like a mighty river out of nowhere in a desert. Y'all, there aren't streams in the desert unless God says there's streams in the desert. And that day, God said, it's my place planet. It's my earth. I created it. I'll do what I want with it. I want to put a stream where there's normally no stream. I want to put a river where there's normally. Don't you tell me God can't do what you need him to do. Stop thinking in your mind. It's God's world. It's your life. It's God's circumstance. My God, I'm yelling, but I can't help it. He'll do what you need him to do because he can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. I still can't hook a buck, but I'm feeling it. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Water flowed out of the desert, came in, rushing in, and started running into all those ditches. And by the time it was finished, every ditch was full of water, and God gave them the miracle. There's two things that came out of that mighty miracle. Number one, it met their need. You can see horses breaking free and running to the water, cattle, cattle stampeding to the water. Don't y'all love cowboy movies? Stampede! That's one of the greatest part of a cowboy movie. I want to be an actor. I want to be an extra in a cowboy movie that's the guy they put the camera on and he goes, stampede! There's always that guy in a cowboy movie, isn't there? Soldiers are rushing to the water, drinking. God met their need. God gave them their miracle. When God works for you, you better get ready. Because you know what you'll probably end up saying? I didn't see that coming. I got a whole sermon on, on I didn't see that coming. I need to get that out. Somebody remind me, I need to preach that one next. I didn't see that coming. And my God shall supply, no, it's some, a little bit. Only the ones that he wants to. Only certain things. No, my God shall supply all. My God, I feel the, I'm telling you, I feel the anointing. All of your needs, your needs, your needs, all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, he's got the riches. He's got what you need this morning. Mom, if I get it wrong, sorry. But I grew up listening to my mom and dad tell me stories of faith. I was born in a little town of Winfield, Kansas. We lived there six months or so and moved, never been back. So I don't know what it's like. I don't even know if it's still there. I guess it's still there. 
there was a church of God in Winfield that closed down. They had shut the doors. No members. My grandfather was the state overseer of Kansas. His job was to oversee the churches of God there. My dad and mom were newly married. Early 20s. Dad said to my papa, Dad, let me take the church. Phyllis and I will go. We'll see if we can get it going again. They went to that little church and tried to revive it and get it going. Nobody there. Young couple. My mom and dad told me of stories of how God came through for them time and again. One particular occasion, they were sitting at the kitchen table. There were no groceries in the kitchen. My mother, who is an excellent cook, had nothing to cook on the stove. They would sit at the kitchen table crying and praying and saying, God, we don't have anybody. There are no offerings. We have no food. And on that particular occasion, I don't remember. I probably ought to get mom up here, but either there was a knock at the door or else they went to the door and there were bags of groceries sitting there at the door. And God moved on somebody's heart to supply all their need. Jaron, Evan, that's our heritage. That's the legacy of faith that's been left to us. I want that kind of faith. Any of you older folks know who R.W. Shambach is? All the old people know he's dead, he's gone. He's a white-haired guy. He, he was something. He was an evangelist. He did tent revivals. The dude was, I just loved R.W. Shambach. And he'd sing... He had this old rough, he said, he's God in the Father. He's God in the Son. He just, you'd had to hear him. He was something else. Had a, had a big black following. The black folks loved R.W. Shambach. He was just something else. R.W. Shambach, I heard him tell this story one time. He said when he was growing up, he was a little boy. He said they had a big family, lots of brothers and sisters. He said, but they were poor. He said on one particular occasion, his mother called them and said, y'all get in here and the table's time to eat. They all went in there and piled around the table. He said there wasn't one drop of food on the table. He thought, what in the world's going on? He said he reached over. His seat was nearest the stove. So he reached over and gently touched the stove and it was cold. It was usually hot because he's the littlest. They made him sit by the hot stove. I mean, y'all know if you're the youngest, that's what happens. You get the raw deal. He said it was cold. His mother said, bow your head. We're going to pray over the food. He said, what food? She started praying. And she started praying for everybody. Praying for the preacher. Praying for the church. She started praying for the missionaries. How many of y'all know that's not the time to pray for the missionaries? The food's getting cold. Just thank the Lord for the food and eat. Well, on this particular occasion, there was no food to get cold. So she started praying for the missionaries. She said, Lord, touch the missionaries who don't have any food to eat. R.W. Shambach looked up and said, we must be missionaries. He said, but my, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He said, but my mama kept praying. 
And she kept thanking God and blessing God with nothing on the table when all of a sudden there was a knock at the door. And she stopped praying, went over the door, and there was a lady with bags of groceries everywhere. She said, Sister Shambach, while I was praying this morning, God told me to go to the store and buy you groceries that y'all didn't have anything to eat. And I'm here by the command of God Almighty to come meet your need. And she started walking in with groceries and putting them on the table. About that time, another knock came on the door and a couple showed up with even more groceries, said Sister Shambach. While we were praying, the Lord said we needed to come. My God, I'm trying to tell somebody he's a way maker. He'll make a way for you. He knows where to make a, he'll make a way over. He'll make a way under. He'll make a way through. He'll make a way around, but he'll make a way for you if you'll just trust him. Come on, somebody give God praise in this. God gave them what they needed to meet their need. Come on, musicians, wherever you are. But that miracle not only met their need, that miracle gave them the victory. It's a great story. Matter of fact, one of the members that I went fishing Friday morning, we got out on Hartwell. The sun came up and hit that water just right. And I said, oh, I, I got to tell you what I'm going to preach tomorrow. Because I'm like, that's it. The sun, the red sun reflecting. Misha, the king of Moab, wakes up that morning, musters his army. They're ready for battle. They're just standing there waiting. They're on the defensive. They know the army's coming. They're on the, the other three kings on the offense. They're on the defensive. The sun rises. You know, you know how it is in the morning. It's, can't, it's all dusky. Everything looks the same. But the sun rises. The hot red sun in the desert. And as it goes up, it glistens on all that water. On what's not supposed to be there. And when it did, it looked red. And the king of Moab, they said, get the king. The king came out and said, what is that? That's supposed to be sand. He said, I don't know. Look, it's red. One of them said, King, you don't think those three kings got in a fight, start arguing, because this happens. It's happened. There's stories of this in the Bible with Israel's enemies did this, where one king got to fight with another king, and then their army started fighting, and then the third king got, he said, you know what probably happened? Misha said, what? He said, I bet they slaughtered each other. That's blood. It's supposed to just be sand out there. It's, what else can it be? It can't be anything else. There's nothing out there but sand. It's got to be blood. And that army, probably with no weapons, they think they're all dead. All they can see is plunder. They got gold and silver in their eyes and, and, and loot. And they're like, yeah! And they start yelling and cheering and they go, the whole army, mobile army's running into the camp of Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and the king of Eden. Running in expecting to see dead bodies everywhere and to start taking all their plunder. And they got to the edge of that camp yelling. And when they did, they didn't find corpses. They found live soldiers who were there sharpening their swords. They had been mustered to battle. 
and all of a sudden they heard him coming so they were ready for him and when they ran into camp they didn't have any swords but the three armies did and guess who got slaughtered the Moabites the enemy they were defeated and God gave them the victory and here's the crazy part I hope you can grab this I already got the shouting part so let me just teach you and then we're going to get in these altars Here's the crazy part. (laughs) What God uses to bless you, he can use to defeat your enemy. Now I had to think about this one a little bit because some of you right now didn't clap because you're like, yeah. Don't you think the blood of Jesus is a blessing? Don't you think the death of Christ on the cross for your sins is a blessing? Well, here's the most simple one I can give you. The blood of Jesus that blessed you and saved you also defeated your sin. You've been set free from sin. So you're getting it now, aren't you? What God uses to bless you will give you victory over the enemy. You're no longer in bondage to sin. The answer to your prayer, your blessing, will silence your critics. The solution to your problem will quiet the naysayers. God's financial miracle in your life will eradicate the debt. You're getting it now, aren't you? What God uses to bless you, he'll use to defeat your enemies. I want you to stand to your feet this morning and I have two questions to ask you. Two questions to ask you. And I want you to listen to this man of God today. What do you need God to do for you today? What mess do you find yourself in? I know that they got themselves in this mess, but sometimes we get in messes and they're not even our fault. So let's just make the picture bigger today. Let's pan back. What are you in the middle of? What do you need God to do for you today? Because I believe we've got the faith in this room right now that says, I believe God can handle it. But here's the second question. What do you need to do for God? What do you need to do for God? For your miracle to come, for your answer to arrive, for the solution to be implemented, what do you need to do for God? Do you need to repent of your sins? Are you backsliding and you need to turn from your sinful lifestyle and come back home to Jesus? Have you been walking in doubt? Have you been critical and negative lately and You're not really walking the life of faith. Are you paying your tithes, giving God what's his or no? I could go on. What is it that you need to do? Who do you need to go to and apologize to? What do you need to do today? You may not be able to do it, right? You may just need to get to an altar and talk to God, but some of you, listen to me. I know we're Pentecostal and I'm revivalistic and we're fired up. But let's be practical. Some of you, as soon as the service is over, need to go home and either get on the phone or go to somebody's house and have a conversation. See, I'm trying to help you do the right thing. But when you do it, God will give you your miracle. 
So if you say, Pastor Chris, this message was for me. Singers, I want y'all to get ready. I want you to step out. I want to give an invitation for the first ones. If you say, Pastor, I need God to do something for me in my life. Come on, I want you to step out. I want you to get to this altar as quick as you can. I know there are a ton of you. Come on, step out. That's an act of faith. Just getting out is an act of faith. That's what you need to do. Say, Pastor, you've what I know what I need God to do. What you need to do is get out of that seat and walk down here and then start praying when you get down here. As soon as you get out here, start telling God, God, here's my situation. Here's my mess. Here's my sin. Here's my struggle. Here's my enemy. Here's my challenge. Come on, start praying when you get out. Come on, I know there's more of you. Come on, step out. This is what you need to do. Get to this altar. Come on, that's it. Keep coming. I'm going to wait on you. Come on. And start praying and crying out to God. Hallelujah. Woo. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.